VIP listeners, you are now on the mark. Thrilled you're joining us. This episode is going to be intriguing for you guys. We got Tony Daniels from Porky's, Die Hard 2, The Wanderers, Rising Sun. I mean, Tony's worked alongside guys like Bruce Willis, Sean Connery, Wesley Snipes, and a whole lot more. Porky's, folks, started the teen movie genre. I know a lot of you guys love teen movies just like I do, so we'll be discussing all that and more with him, and I'll be discussing, you know, my favorite movies, and Benny will uh, be chiming in on that as well. Benny, what do you think, man? You excited for Tone? Is he going to deliver or what? Oh, I think he'll deliver bigly, man. I'm absolutely amped up for Tone. You know, if you look at his IMDb, there's some legendary just movie names on that. Everybody's heard of Porky's. Everybody's heard of Die Hard. You know a lot of these things that he's been in. Rising Sun was a premier action movie, a blockbuster action movie of the 90s. Sure. Um, and, you know, we love Sean Connery. We, we Bruce Willis, Wesley Snipes. Tony's... Uh, an interesting cat, man, the way he got into that industry and uh, stuck in that industry. And he's just great people. And we like having great people on the show with us. Yeah, and just like you said, the list of people that he's been able to work with is outstanding, Marky. It's unbelievable looking at his resume and the six degrees of separation between him and whoever because of the people he's worked with. Now, if I had to put you on the spot, Benny, what's your all-time favorite teen movie? I'll give my list later in the show, but Benny, get, preface it out from the heart. What's your favorite? I think you're a Bueller guy, and there's no shame in that. I'm a Ferris Bueller guy. I'm going to throw out, I don't even know if it's definitely in the exact genre of a teen movie. Oh, but, come on, you motherfucker! Uh, but <laughs> I, I have to put it in, Dazed and Confused. Yeah, yeah That's right. That's my you, favorite. And you opened up one of our episodes with Dazed and Confused, I believe, right? Absolutely. I love that movie. It, it's all time for me. I thought you were going to go Ferris Bueller. Uh, I thought you were going to go The Lost Boys. Okay. Uh, well, I loved Ferris Bueller. But it's a little before my time as a kid, if that makes sense. So I grew up watching it, but it wasn't a new movie when I was young watching it. Sure. And, you know, of course we can't forget about Superbad. I was just going to say Superbad's an all-timer as well. It's so damn good. But but it's on the opposite end of the spectrum. It was towards the end of when I was in. Yes, when I was in that era. So... I don't necessarily, I connect to it a lot, but I don't necessarily look at it as a growing up teen movie. I don't either, and that's why I'll leave it off my top five. And this is, um, so I'll say that, but this is the other thing. I love Superbad because it's a 2000s movie that brings you back to the, a 90s teen movie. For sure. With 2000s problems and dilemmas. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. One of the best movies ever, honestly. Like uh, the great Fabulous said, I'm not bringing the problems from the 90s into the 2000s. That's a special movie, man. Yeah, I, I. but when you think back on teen movies, I truly feel it's one of those things in your mind where it even predates your teen years. It does. When you can yes. appreciate them yes. the most because that's when you're looking forward to your teenage years. When you're yes. in your teenage years, you care less about being a teenager, so those movies mean a little less to you. Yeah. 100% on on the same page with you there. Um, for some reason, when you're younger and you see a movie, it strikes a different kind of chord with you, and it stays with you. It impacts you a little more. Now let me throw one at you. A Cinderella story. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hillary Duff, Chad Michael Murray. No. No. Doesn't do it for you. There was a movie I saw somewhat recent that was a teen movie. It probably came out about three years ago. It was called The Duff. I've never heard of it. And it was actually pretty good. The Muff? That was a Pornhub movie. Sure. The Duff. Not bad. Check it out if you have to. You know, if you're in desperate need of of something new. So there it is, gang. Find a way to watch The Duff. There's a Netflix on the mark movie recommendation for you. Now, Benny, we had a very controversial post this week. That's for sure. A lot of people are up in arms, and a lot of people agree, and that's okay, with the 
on the mark post regarding LeBron James's $50,000 game day outfit where he wore a suit comprised with a man purse slash bag and shorts, suit pant shorts. Um, the outfit that he showed up to game one of the NBA Finals, valued at 50, 50 large, um, not including his watch and ring, which were would be more than double the outfit's value. But regardless, point being this. Let me take you through my whole thought process here because I condemned it. I don't think it's the right message to send. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, let me start it with this. I totally understand shopping, spending money on clothes. You want to look good. You want to feel good. Going into stores and buying things is a fun process. It is exciting. Uh, it is nice to be complimented. Um, and emulated because of what you wear. It's a good feel. It's happened to me. It's a good feeling. It's happened to many of us. It's also a good feeling to help other people, like LeBron James has done through the course of his career. Put thousands, uh, apparently 1,200 kids through college. He's done all types of charitable work. For the most part, he's been an upstanding professional athlete. He's very polarizing, comes with a lot of critiques. People, for some reason, love talking about LeBron James, whether it's his performance on the court, whether it's his uh, the legacy argument of LeBron or Michael, so on and so forth. LeBron James, no matter how many people he personally helps where his foundation foundations help can't equate to the amount of people that see him on TV on Twitter on Instagram on a daily hourly basis that is what has the greatest impact in terms of what message he delivers to impressionable fans, kids, what have you. It's not always kids. Guys in their 20s and 30s and so on are still impressionable people. So, it takes me back to Robert De Niro talking to Chaz Palminteri in Bronx Tale. Don't you get it? It's not what you tell him. It's what he sees. So all these kids, all these impressionable people... They see a $50,000 plus outfit that is just an any sort of day outfit. He's showing up to the locker room, could have wore a Cavs sweatsuit. And they think that's what success is. They think that's what you need to do to be a success. So whenever these impressionable people are lucky enough to get their hands on some money that they worked for came about. They'll try to go and reinvest it in the next pair of Yeezys. The, the, you know, the next stylish, trendy thing. Instead of reinvesting that money in themselves, a business, a passion, a down payment, an education, so, I have no problem with rich people dressing to the nines. They always have. They always will. But, LeBron's a guy who cares about the community, apparently. And I, I believe he does. And I believe he he's victim here to his own ignorance. He doesn't realize all the people looking at him. Do you know how impactful it would be if the greatest player greatest professional athlete that we have said don't worry about spending that kind of money on clothes don't worry about being you know uh, a hip-hop stylish icon 
Worry about reinvesting in yourself, in your life. Clothes have no value. There's hardly any resale there. Clothes and cars are brutal investments. You're better off buying watches. Don't, and, and nice watches, of course. Um, don't think that putting money into your wardrobe is going to get you anywhere. That's what you do when you're already at the top, like he is. We need a figure, a powerful, impactful guy to set the tone for that community and communities abroad that clothes don't mean shit. You can still get laid wearing a Hanes white tee. You can still be a success wearing a, a sweatsuit. That's not the answer. And a lot of our people said, he's not the one pointing that out. It's the sources of the media like yourself and ESPN and TMZ and Colin Coward. No, those outlets, they glorify it. They compliment it. They try to red carpet it up. I'm giving you the alternate take, the alternative take. It's a negative. It is a negative. Dress to the nines when you're on top, when you're already there. When you're still grinding and still trying to be a success. And when I say success, I don't mean famous. I just mean having a job, making um, lifestyle uh, sustainable income. Doing what you love to do and getting paid to do it. Doing what you like to do and getting paid to do it. That's when you can splurge a little bit. So that was my point, gang. Impressionable people don't need to see that as the portrait of success. Impressionable people need to see you make the money, you reinvest it in yourself, into meaningful things, into things that have value. Experiences, education, a down payment, a business. That was my overall point. Benny, uh, I'm a lifelong LeBron James fan. I pull for him heavily. I felt so bad for him after game one. J.R. Smith truly is the on-the-mark moron for blowing that game. They would have stole game one. LeBron played, um, to be honest with you, it was a legendary performance. I have a lot of good things to say about LeBron James. I don't understand how people will go to bat for LeBron James so heavily. That's cool. That's great that people support our professional athletes like that. Uh, Man, people were really heated over this take, Benny really going to bat for LeBron and I I don't know if these guys ask themselves you know would LeBron go to bat for them you know because I would probably go to bat for them I would help them probably any chance I could whether it was on or off this show but that's okay our job my job I want to cultivate conversation it's exciting for me when I get a bunch of people involved in a conversation on either side because Benny, like you said, not everybody's always going to agree with you, Mark. That's, you know, of course. That's to be expected, and that's okay. It's fun for me to get people involved in these conversations. You're going to get heated. I'm going to get heated. You got to have some passion to take a stance. You got to have some passion to give an alternative point of view. So VIP listeners that I battled with, I hope it wasn't taken to heart. This is what we do. We start the conversation. And then at some point, Benny, we got to end the conversation, too, and move on to another one. I know you're a LeBron guy, Benny. What's your take now that I really laid that one out there? Yeah, I'm as big of a LeBron supporter as anybody. and I. You, you named your car LeBron. I did name my car LeBron. You uh, wear I a dad LeBron. hat that says witness. Yes, uh, not witness. Uh, always believe. Always, actually, which was another LeBron, LeBron thing. Hat. Okay, yes. fair enough. Yes, I, I support LeBron thoroughly. And I absolutely disagree 100% with the whole take that anything he did was a problem. The man is showing up to Game 1 of the NBA Finals for not only the 8th straight year, but the 4th straight year against this same team. There's a battle and a rivalry between these two teams that is almost unmatched in sports nowadays. you got to go back to the Celtics with Bill Russell to have a team that's getting to these finals. So this is what he lives for. This is his stage. He's going to come dressed nicely. 
it, it should be no surprise that he is well-dressed and well-kept well, arriving to the stadium. I don't think he was well-dressed. Well, that's neither here or there. You can disagree with the shorts and whatnot. But overall, okay, the NBA dress code. Uh, let me just ask you a question. Okay. Does it take $50,000 to be well-dressed? What you say? No, it doesn't take $50,000. But guess what? There are a lot of people out there wearing a lot more expensive outfits out there. Do those people have the amount of eyes and love? A and lot of them, yeah. That, the, as much as LeBron James. A, maybe yeah, not as much as LeBron James. Love, maybe like, not as much as LeBron James. But there are a lot of people with millions and millions of followers, just like LeBron has, that they're impressionable just as much. Not as many as LeBron. Maybe not, but overall, there are people wearing a quarter billion on them at times. You see these Instagram rappers literally throwing out hundreds of thousands of dollars into the street. Just, and not like at- that? I gotta get there. Well, yeah, I need to get there too, but between the little pumps and the Takashi 6'9s and all of those idiots. I like those guys. Those guys grew on me. Yes, yeah. those guys grew on you. Meanwhile, LeBron <laughs> James wearing shorts and $50,000 suit and bag when you include the bag because the suit alone is what 3500 not even right well it was half a dress pant so they were shorts i mean you can say that but i'm willing to bet that they were custom made custom tailored to them so it was expensive okay and let's be honest what do you think of the man purse i have no problem with the man purse who cares if you want to go into gucci or louis or wherever the hell we got that and spend 50000 on a man purse right. because you're LeBron James. Oh, well, that is all well and good. Yeah. The man signed a billion-dollar contract, Mark. Okay, but the NBA dress code, let's go back for a second. David Stern instituted it as, quote, a liberal and easygoing dress code. That's a bad word. Well, this was in 2005, 2006. <laughs> it was a little less of a it bad a word then. <laughs> okay, that mandated that players wear, quote, business casual attire. Okay, so he is all, allowed all to wear Iverson. exactly. He is allowed to wear some sweats if he wants. But why would he show up to one of the biggest stages of his life, one of the biggest games of his life, dressed like a bump? Okay, he's not dressed in a baby blue chinchilla with a do rag and an old school Mariners hat backwards, and a, like AI, and a, and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Yes, like AI. <laughs> the man is dressed. You can say he's not dressed nicely, but the point is that that's a nice, expensive suit. Who cares if it's shorts? He was in California, I'll right. mind you. All right. Okay. Now, uh, no, one last point, though. At the end of the day, he's there to play a game. Mm-hmm. He's there to concentrate on winning a game, playing at his best, which he did. Okay? In order to play at your best, there's a simple rule. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If he felt he looked good and that made him feel good, that's going to help him play good and that's the only equation that matters on a game day night all right now i totally agree with all that and i totally 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 understand anybody in the neighborhood anybody in any city wherever you want to look good no shit multiple ways to look good benny you know me i go shopping pretty often i've always had a nice wardrobe Nothing over the top, but I take pride in it. Sure. I talk about it on the show. Yeah. We talk about clothes. My thesis statement is essential. It's about the communities. It's about the massive message that he sends to these kids who are living in the projects. They're living in beat-up houses. They're living in run-down apartment buildings. They don't have anything. And they love LeBron James. And it's going to be very hard. Statistics show. And life lessons show. It's going to be very hard for a lot of these kids to pull through. With that type of vision of success. And so he's not supposed to wear a suit. He's supposed to wear a sweatshirt. That would make you feel better. How he dressed came for game seven of that Boston series. How he showed up in the sweatshirt that made you feel better for the community because the community took a step forward being between game six and game seven when he showed up in a suit for game six and showed up in a sweatsuit for game seven and then it took downhill went downhill for game one when he wore a suit again the 
Cleveland economy basically collapsed when he left for Miami. Well, yeah. That shows you the impact he has. I understand his impact is not in what he's wearing. Yes, if he wore a sweatshirt He can send the message. He can be the beacon of hope. So him dressing nicely is not a beacon of hope? You're right. Jay-Z go bringing his six-year-old daughter to an art fair. rappers of all time. To an art auction and letting her bid $200,000 is a better example. It's a disgrace. We need to start talking about why these professional athletes and these rappers are so entitled. I don't see how him wearing a suit with shorts is an entitlement or hurting anything or anybody it doesn't even make sense these guys are very concerned about the communities they're very concerned about the policing in the communities they're very uh, concerned about the schools in the communities yeah they're very concerned about the crime rates this that and the other so he should not appear professional so he should appear well I less don't professional th- i don't think he appeared professional why because he wore suit A with shorts in shorts in california in California. Now, gang, I'll tell you what. I get both ends of the spectrum. I totally do. And I'm not saying if I was given the platform and power LeBron James was given, I would be the beacon. I would be that guy. You understand what I'm saying by that, Benny? I do. If I, I was LeBron James, I think I'm LeBron not saying I would been that want beacon. to be. I think he has done that, and Do I, don't, I don't think his outfit changes that at all. Okay. I think it's only—you know, it hasn't helped it necessarily, but it certainly didn't hurt it in the least Could bit. he do more? Probably not. No. No? The man has only so much time. He's still an active basketball player at, at the top of his game, at the top of anybody's game in that sport ever. Okay. He, he needs to focus on basketball a large portion of his day. And I guarantee he has a lot of time that he spends on charitable efforts and improving not only his community, but a lot of communities around this okay. country. And here's the here's the other deal, guys. All right. When you say, yeah, this is a shitty take. Yeah, this is a bad take. No, no, no. This take got people talking. So you're rule of thumb on grading out opinions, hot takes, what have you. That's what's not up to par. This is on the mark and we're having the conversation. And Benny, when we get back from break, we got our guy, Tony Daniels, for the Portland's conversation. They told me everybody's 15 minutes in a different time zone. And since I have it at the moment, you the one I wanna shine my light on. Get your life, get your life, little mama, won't you get your life on? Ain't nothing cooler than the wrong moves when you do them to the right song, the right song. Let's shoot this movie and put the shit on repeat. I hope this memories are making me fall asleep before we hit the road with our phones on silent. Nobody's trying to bring sand to the beach. What would it take to change plans for the weekend? Cause I am trying to kick it like eating. The whole thing, the pre-party, the pre-sex Then we hit the major lead with a Jesus yeah, I like you, girl, in particular You in particular Say, I like your waist in particular yeah. Yeah, I like you, girl, in particular yeah. You in particular Say, I like your waist in particular All right, on the mark, VIP listeners, we have Porky's actor, Tony Ganos on the mark. Tone, thrilled to have you. Thrilled to have this conversation with you, man. How's it going? Pretty good, Mark. I'm uh, very glad to be here. Uh, no question. Now, Tone, you're a big guy. So what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, a powerlifting background. I heard a great story about how your, how your uncle kind of got you into show business through the whole powerlifting thing? Well, my uncle was a bodybuilder, not a powerlifter, but okay. uh, he, he got me into, um, I was I was training with him in a gym in um, um, the village, and uh, someone called from, from the Wanderers, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the casting people, mm-hmm. 
and he pretty much made me go down and uh, uh, see what, what it was all about. Nice. And then from there, bam, you landed the role in the uh, Wanderers. That's right. The uh, whole chewing on the matchstick, was that something that was <laughs> your thing, or was that something that they said, hey, why don't you try this out? No, actually, I uh, I walked into the audition chewing on that stick. That's something I had been doing for some odd reason since I was like probably about fourteen. Were you a smoker? Uh, I uh, actually became a smoker later on. Interesting. What was it like for you growing up in Brooklyn? Whereabouts in Brooklyn were you? Well, we're from East New York in Brooklyn, uh, Sunnyside Avenue, and uh, Miller. Very cool. Did you like growing up there? Was it something you, you know, do you go back to Brooklyn? Do you still have family there? No, everybody, everybody's pretty much gone, and I haven't been back to that part of Brooklyn in many, many years. Interesting. I got you. Now, Tom, being like we talked about, big athletic guy, was it weird for you to, you know, translate that into acting where there's not as many uh, guys and girls like that in that industry? Well, at the time, there there really weren't that many uh, large guys uh, acting. It seems that, that that has changed to some degree now. Sure. Uh, honestly, at the, at the time, I never really gave it any thought. I just, you know, uh, went in and didn't really think about it. Yeah, who, who were your favorite actors uh, growing up or even when you first entered the, uh, you know, when you first got into the industry? Well, let's see, uh, Errol Flynn, uh, Glenn Ford, uh, my favorite actress, uh, uh, actress is, um, uh, Haviland. Okay. Uh, people like that. Now you, you were in movies with Bruce Willis and Sean Connery. What was the difference, uh, like in terms of the environment on the movie sets from a Porky's compared to a Die Hard? Well, Porky's was a much smaller, uh, you know, production. There were a lot less people around, and um, when when I did The Rising Sun or when I did Die Hard, there were a lot more. Uh, it was just a much bigger uh, deal everywhere. Everything was a lot bigger. There was a lot more people, a lot more money in, in, in the production. Porky's was really a low budget movie. It was right. only a four million dollar movie, so there wasn't a whole lot of uh, activity, you know. Yeah, of course. You know, I thought it was cool that they uh, brought the matchstick into the Rising Sun movie, like as a homage to the uh, Wanderers character. Well, that's that's because it had the same director, Phil Phil Kaufman, and uh, he did that on purpose. I love when movies do that. He did it to see if anybody was paying attention. <laughs> that's right, and it, it, it's cool, man. It really is. Now, Porky's, I guess I would go as far as to say that really, you know created or gave birth to the whole like teen movie genre uh yes what, what does that mean to you because there's so many teen movies through the 90s and early 2000s i liked and of course during the 80s but what does it mean to you that you you know you were a part of the movie that really gave birth to a damn successful genre well at the time we didn't think much of it because uh we we thought that all of this stuff was never going to be seen. It was going to be put into the, you know, into a can somewhere, and it would never see the light of day. Interesting. And uh, when it did come out, and it, it, it uh, people really seemed to like it. I thought the the other cast members that were calling me uh, were, you know, pulling my leg. I didn't believe it was that successful. Yeah. I yeah. just figured, you know, we're doing a bunch of crazy crap there, and no one's ever going to see it. Did it feel like <laughs> sheer luck? that the thing blew up or did it feel like more, Hey, we put some hard work into this. We executed what we wanted to execute and we expect it to be, you know, appreciated. Well, it, <laughs> no one was really thinking any of that when we were doing this film, you know, we just were having a good time and, uh, we, you know, nobody was thinking it was work or art or anything. I mean, you know, we just had a good time and, uh, events being what they were, uh, when the film was released, it seems like there was nothing else. Uh, there were no other uh, uh, comedies in the theaters at the time, which helped, uh, uh, you know, mm -hmm. greatly. Yeah, timing, great timing. It was timing. Yeah, there was not. There, there were a lot of like really 
like boring, depressing movies out. So either you could see those or you could see this. Yeah. So that 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 helped. And then it was the sheer shock value of the whole thing. Right. Because right. no one had ever attempted anything like what we did on screen. I mean, Animal House that came out a few years earlier was similar to 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 what we did, but I think we went a step further with uh, uh, Porky's. Absolutely. Now I heard another great story, Tone, about you on set the early uh, early portion of filming or whatever, and you you bench press the damn car. Can you please tell our VIP listeners that story? Uh, well, I, uh, you mean when we were doing uh, uh, Porky's? Because I used to go around doing all kinds of stupid things. <laughs> so uh, I think it involved you eating some Greek yogurt, possibly. Uh, yeah, well, uh, what happened was uh, one of the cast members, Wyatt Knight, uh, who was not, uh, you know, um, no longer with us, right. he uh, was trying to uh, kind of aggravate me a little bit, you know, and uh, make fun of me because I was eating actually, uh, you know, cottage cheese. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to you know, get angry at him or anything, so I just went under a car in a parking lot, and I just bench-pressed the back of it, and then he got real quiet, and uh, pretty much uh, <laughs> that was it. Uh, I, uh, I made my point. Did you ever uh, maybe think you were going to be a professional athlete, football player type deal, or any sport? Uh, no, I never really, I never really gave it any thought. No, never. I just, I liked the, the, I liked the uh, powerlifting. Yeah. In high you school, know, I like, I like that. In high school, did it, you act? Did you play sports? Did you do both? No, I didn't do either. Wow. Didn't do either. My uh, my high school was too poor to have a football team, and uh, <laughs> uh, we, you know, it was a small school. We didn't really have uh, much of an athletic program. Okay, I got you. Now, Sean Connery, I'm a big fan. Bruce Willis, we, we talked about the movies you were in with them earlier. I got to ask you, just out of your opinion, because to me, Tone, you're, you're a tough guy. You're, you know, you're a badass dude. Out of those two, who were who, who was really more badass, Bruce Willis or Sean Connery? Oh, Sean, uh, Sean Connery. Yeah? Wow. Oh, yeah. I love hearing yeah, that. Why, why do you say that, Tone? Well, Sean Connery, uh, just, uh, he was a uh, um, formidable figure. You know, that's uh, pretty much says it all about him. He's, uh, he, he, was, he was James Bond, and, you know, there he is. And I got a huge kick out of, uh, you know, being on set and working with him. Yeah, no question. No question. I mean, that guy is a, a true, true icon. Um, he sure was. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, now, like we said, uh, Porky's launched that whole teen movie genre. Um, I'm assuming, you you know, you, you keep up with some movies over the years. Do you have any other teen movies that over the years that you've really admired? Uh, well, I, I think the... Um... Um, American Pie stuff was pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. First, the first, the second one. Those were uh, those were good. Um, There've been a couple others too that have been um, really interesting over the years that that, that that have come out that were completely different. You know, when they're not uh, the same as uh, uh, the stuff we did. Right. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, some people came out with completely new formats for teen movies, and I think that was really interesting. Absolutely. But uh, we did, you know, it was uh, like it had its time, you know, and I think people since then have done, uh, have taken the same theme and uh, expounded on it. Uh, no, no question about it. You know, for some reason, you know, I'm a guy, I, I, I love mob movies. I love action movies. Uh, I love bank robbing movies, which I guess could go hand <laughs> in hand with uh, action. But anyway... I have a weird thing for teen movies, man. I really do, and I always did. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's you. it brings you back to those years, or it brings you back to those years, and it makes you maybe wish you were like that, or think you did it like that, even if you really didn't. You know what I mean? They're, it, sure. it's, it's always a fun watch. Um what, uh, how old were you? Uh, I know it's kind of weird, but I always find it fascinating how some of these actors who are in teen movies are, half the time, they're in their 30s or late 20s playing a teen. <laughs> how, how old were you? How old was most of the cast uh, during uh, Porky's? When we did Porky's, I was the youngest. I had just turned uh, uh, 21. Okay. 
and the other guys were maybe a few years older than I was. Okay, very cool. But Can it was I... different because at that time you didn't see many, uh, there weren't um, many teen actors working right. at the time. Right, right. And, uh, it would, they, they, you know, they would tend to cast someone a little older anyway because of uh, uh, simple, you know, responsibility. They would want somebody a little older that would, they would, it would tend to show up on time and, and take the thing uh, a lot more seriously. Absolutely, uh, of course. Now, Tony, uh, from what I know about you, you're a, a proud Greek American. The Greek. People... Well, I'm also I'm also uh, half Italian, Mark. I'm half and half. Oh, very nice. That's a great combo. I'm Italian Thank myself. You. Uh, ironically, uh, my mother, my mother's side of the family, is all from Brooklyn as well. Uh, so that makes me uh, even happier to have you joining us on this show. Now, your household, was it more Greek-influenced or Italian-influenced? Well, it was, I grew up eating my mother's, my mother's cooking. So I, uh, you know, as far as food and things uh, are culinary, it was, uh, it was Italian. Okay. Now, a lot but, of the, the Italian meals that we know and love, they don't go hand-in-hand hand necessarily with being in you know, pristine physical shape. Would you agree with that? No, I no, I don't agree with that. I've eaten Italian food all my life, and I uh, I found no problem staying in, in you know good condition. The food is ate a lot of uh, you know macaroni and stuff like that, and it uh, made me big and strong. <laughs> <laughs> heavy carb intake. That's good. I mean, tell you, you look no, like no heavy, heavy. Uh, you know, uh, you know, protein. Uh, uh, a protein intake too. Well, Tony, look, we do a, a little segment on this show, okay, where we ask all our guests, "What you eat?" We call the segment "G." Look, go inside, make no, yourselves no, comfortable. No, I'll no, make you something to eat. Hey, how do you like yours? Bread, medium bread, medium bread. Hmm, aristocrat. My snack was a honey crisp apple. <laughs> okay. So, Tony, what what you eat so far today? Well, I had a uh, shrimp and asparagus omelet. Oh, uh, wow. I love that. A little that. while ago. <laughs> yes. Yep. And that's uh, where mom, you're at? The mini omelets. Huh? That's where you're at today so far, huh? So far, yeah. I'm going to probably do some breaded chicken later on, and uh, like just like mom used to make. Do you do a lot of cooking yourself, Tony, or do you like to go out to eat? Well, I, I like to cook myself pretty much. Yeah. I, uh, can you know eat as much as I like, and uh, uh, really, you, you, it seems like you don't really get good Italian food anymore. It's hard to find. It, it is hard yep. to find. Um, you got to uh, find those hidden gems half the time to, to to really find something new and exciting. Well, nowadays it seems like they make a real big deal out of it, and uh, then the food sucks. Yeah, you I know. know. Like <laughs> it's a lot. Walk of around to get these. Huh? It's a lot of flash and no bang. That's exactly right. You That's know what exactly I mean, right. Tone? But hey, man. So I'd rather eat the, the stuff at home. Oh, I hear you. Now, let me ask you. I'll leave you with this, Tone. Out of, out of Hollywood and New York, which do you prefer? Oh, New York has now. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, any particular reason or just uh, just because that's home? Well, it's well, it's home, but it's I don't I don't particularly care for Los Angeles. I never really felt at home in that city. Uh, never really never really cared for it. Interesting. Uh, the food is awful. Uh, you know, the Italian food is absolutely awful. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't compare, especially to yeah. New York. Worst restaurants, in my opinion, of any big city in the country. Wow, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yep. How did you like the nightlife out there in the 80s and 90s and whatnot? Well, uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, guys like Ken Wall, Jim Youngs, and myself, uh, we, had, we had a lot of fun. There were a lot of clubs, and we went to all of them, and uh, we, uh, we enjoyed ourselves. Were, did you ever find yourself partying with the L.A. Raiders or L.A. Lakers? No. <laughs> no, we uh, we uh, we had our own we had our own little party going wherever we went. I bet, I bet that's great stuff, Tone. Hey, man, we really appreciate you joining us. The VIP listeners appreciate you joining us. Have a great rest of your day, Tone, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, man. Mark, it was great. Uh, it was great speaking to you guys today. Absolutely. Have a good one. Okay. On the mark.
Oh, man, Benny. How about that Tony Ganyos? That's a good guy right there. Oh, yeah. Funny guy. Great guy, though. Really good down-to-earth kind of guy. Yeah, neighborhood guy like we seem to mm-hmm. consistently uh, bring on. He's a Brooklyn guy, so basically, you know, local for us. Half Italian, half Greek. I, I, it's funny. We say this all the time. I feel like I've known the guy. Yeah, seriously. Seems like he's a friend of ours for a while now. And I'll tell you what, he got me really hungry with that shrimp and asparagus omelet. Oh, my God. I had breakfast with my mother earlier this week. Uh, we got together, and she had an asp- asparagus omelet. No shrimp. Yeah, I get asparagus a lot in omelets. I me like too. it. Me it's, too. It's through It has a little crunch. Yeah, no, it's still, it's healthy. It's, yeah. it's good. Um, but the shrimp. Oh, that's the wild card. Yeah. I got to do good. that. good. Yeah, phenomenal. I have to do that. Yeah. I guess you take the tail off of it. Definitely. Obviously. and I never got why they keep tails on shrimp when they put it in like pasta and stuff sometimes. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that's the traditional way to do it, but I don't understand. Why Why do I got to dig in and take the tail out? Yeah, like when you order a fra, fra Diablo. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's still the tail on. I, maybe that is to keep the shrimp together during the heat of when it's being cooked. I'm not you know, sure. In the in this gravy, in the sauce, whatever you call it. I always felt like it was to prove that the shrimp was fresh. Yeah, that could be it too. Um, but like, I trust your shrimp is fresh if I'm ordering the shrimp. And then you know when you go to the Acme or the Shoprite or wherever, and you buy the shrimp cocktail, like the twenty piece circular yeah. thing, uh-huh. the tail's always on that too. Always. Yeah, but that that's I for get. grip. Yes. Grip for the dip. That it's like its own little personal peanut shell almost you know yeah, what i mean you eat yeah. around you use it as a utensil almost yeah yeah exactly grip but you know pasta right or an entree it doesn't make sense to me right sometimes though the tail is off and when it's a bigger shrimp and it's kind of like cut uh down the middle and it like opens butterfly butterfly you know yeah I i'm like a shrimp that. guy you can you can eat a hundred pieces of shrimp without stopping yeah like, great, uh, great stuff. Like Ace Ventura uh, when he stuffed all the shrimp in his mouth. Mm. The, uh, or George Costanza. Or George Costanza in the office meeting. Yes. <laughs> the ocean called. <laughs> oh, yeah, the jerk store called. Yep. We're running out of you. Teen movies are a great thing, Benny. Mm-hmm. Um, even like Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer. They're teen movies. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite spoofs of all time, spoof movies not another teen movie mm-hmm. and benny you know the quote i love from that movie absolutely so play it for our listeners right right here right now hi jake Catherine. can i ask you a question why is it every time i tell a guy they can put it wherever they want they always stick it in my ass oh damn that's just way too much information for me Catherine. oh no jake way too much information would be telling you that after they're done i always take a huge dump shit Oh, that is whack. Maybe we got to do my top five teen movies for the uh, VIP listeners here, Benny. I think it's only right, Mark. It's only right. All right, top five teen movies right here. Number five, Clueless. Number four, Can't Hardly Wait. Number three, American Pie. Damn, Nadia was hot in American Pie. Oh, yeah. The fact that he couldn't just, like, seal the deal there Mm. and had her uh, right where he needed her is is brutal. That scene where he can't hold his load is a top three most cringeworthy movie scene. And I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that actress. Yeah. She was smoking hot, and she was in a few other things. Yeah, that accent is hard to build a character around sometimes. Well, I'm not saying like a spin-off. I'm sure that wasn't her real accent. I don't know. Might have been. Maybe. Number two, Scream. Talk about a badass movie. Cool actors. Uh, the Scream mask is iconic. Mm-hmm. The folks at Barstool were really happy to put it on Terry Rozier's face and make money off those shirts. Yep. Uh, but folks, I, I had the Scream mask tattooed on me years ago. Years before Barstool knew anything about it. Let's call it what it is, Benny. I'm always ahead of that curve. Always. And uh, and if I'm not 
then it's not a path I'm going to go down, if that makes any sense. Sure. Now, my top teen movie. How about that Freddie Prince Jr., Benny? Our guy. Summer Catch. Yeah. How about it, Ace? Ah, that was one of my favorite movies when I was younger, man. Jessica Biel through uh, the roof. Uh, that bikini, her hopping out of that pool. Yes. Good Lord. You know, the whole baseball thing, which we love. Mm-hmm. Um, Stu from Scream was in Summer Catch. I believe he was the catcher. Yes. Very funny role. And gang, we're thrilled to announce we got Freddie Prince Jr. coming on the show. And something funny that just kind of dawned on me when I, we were talking to Freddie and having a good time. I was. It's kind of ironic. He was in two movies with the word summer in the title. Yeah, it's I meant know to what be. you did last summer, Summer Catch, mm-hmm. and you know it's meant to be that he comes, he joins on the mark during the summer. Yeah, he's become our Summer Catch. He's our Summer Catch. He really was laughing it up with us, Benny. He enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, he's going to enjoy the real conversation even more. Yeah, because it's all about the conversation, cultivating the conversation. You know, can't hardly wait. It's a hell of a movie too. I know we just kind of blasted through that that's a great great movie it's a good list they're all winners man yeah i stay out of the 80s gang because as much as i love the 80s and i go back to watch the 80s movies naturally it's not what you necessarily grew up on you didn't remember it coming out you didn't remember the previews for it you didn't go see it in the movie theater you didn't rent it at blockbuster when it was a new release Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff Yeah, yeah yeah and benny you know i love blockbuster my uh, blockbuster memories. Oh, that was one of my favorite trips as a kid and a teen. Absolutely. Browsing down those aisles looking yeah. for a good movie to watch well, that you night. Well, you would grab a movie. You would grab a game. Yes. You would grab candy, maybe popcorn, whatever mm-hmm. else. They would always be selling something random in there. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It was a good spot. It's a lost American uh, thing. Treasure. Like, yeah, it's one of those things that just went by the wayside. Yeah. You know, it happens. It happens. It happens. happens. I'm pretty sure uh, Netflix tried to have Blockbuster buy them a long time back, about a decade or so ago, and Blockbuster laughed at them. Yeah, they did, and that was, I think, during the time where Netflix was mailing the movies to people and games. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they had one of those kiosks at the grocery store or something. Maybe. But it wasn't much after that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think they were even mailing, check this out, computer games. Mm, That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like how we've been laughed at before, Benny. Sure. And then, bang, we we shit out 20 podcasts in a row. Mm -hmm. You know, we put out 20 original content videos in a row. And people stop laughing and they take notice. And then if they uh, have anything to say, they can say it. But they really, it just kind of looks dull because... They don't have anything comparable. At the end of the day, visionaries have to withstand people that don't see the vision. Yeah, of course. Y'all got to listen to the vision, man. You got to listen to the vision. Like the great Jaden Smith said on my favorite song right now, Icon. VIP listener and cousin of mine, the great Ant Armento, made a great point. He thought Jaden Smith was almost... Stealing Meek Mill's style with that song. By no means are either of us Meek Mill fans, but I actually thought he made a great point how on that icon song, Jane Smith screaming a little bit, kind of like Meek does. It was a little bit of an eye-opener for me. I don't even know what song you're talking about, Mark. Now play it for yourself and play it for the VIP listeners when we get back, gang. More on the mark. What you call- 
color icon living. Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Whoa. Nylon, couple five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. Whoa. About to make a movie independent. Whoa. Need new trucks independent. Whoa. I need you to listen to the vision. Whoa. All your verses sound like dirty dishes. Whoa. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. Whoa. And we making money by the minute. Whoa. I'm about to do a way different. God. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. Living. I, I, icon living. It's wild, you can lie like a professor. I don't got the time to put you on a stretcher. Stretcher. I am here and I still flex. I am just an icon living. Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Whoa, I'm high star, cover five minutes. Whoa, we are so hot in the business. Whoa. Last verse was before the award show. What? Icon tatted on my torso. Uh, me and Moy dipping in the porso. What? I ain't even taking on torso. What? Uh, down. Last girl signed a divorce, so what? Now I'm focusing, we about to all blow up. We just trying to make the whole crowd go nuts. What? Look, we don't know no one like you. Go grills and you dance like Michael. No eyes, misfits, no typos. Look, wait. We just want to make you go psycho. Put $100,000 in the Bible. Ooh. I took the game with my eyes closed. Last verse was before the award show. What? Icon tatted on my torso. Uh. Me and Moy dipping in the porso. What? I ain't even taking on torso. What? Your this fire, I'm more so. What? Young Jaden dying on the floor, so what? She broke my heart to the core, so what? I guess we all gotta grow up. I'm just an icon living. Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Ooh. Interview, cover five minutes. Ooh. We are too hot in the business. Ooh. I'm going straight to the top of the crew. We should just chill and maybe take it slow. Before we get up there with nowhere to go. And we can chill and just look at the view. Woo! Damn. Load a yellow rose into a rifle. Ooh. Me and Harry about to go psycho. Psycho. Put a hundred thousand in the Bible. Bible. Damn. So what do you think, Benny? Do you hear that kind of Meek Mill-ish imitation there? Yeah, I understand what people are saying. I, I gotta say, it's a catchy tune. I can see why people are into it. It's got a thing going, a good gym song, good club song. Uh, yeah, one of the songs of the summer, it feels like. Yeah, it has, has that vibe to it. The music video is kind of crazy, too. Well, maybe, Jade Smith's a little out of his mind at Well, times. maybe these new rappers are kind of like, I think they're growing on me, apparently. I find them more entertaining than I used to. I don't know if the music entertains me anymore for the most part, but uh, the personalities on these idiots. Yeah, or is that us just getting brainwashed by the mainstream media making they tell us they're acceptable so we think they're acceptable? Yeah, I don't necessarily think they're acceptable. I just think they're humorous at times. Because I still think they're the bad guys, like the Joker's bad guys in Arkham City and Gotham City. Yeah, that's, that's what it reminds me of. Remind the Takashis and yeah. all of those morons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, gang, we got a lot of fun shit coming up on the mark. We got stand-up comedian Jimmy Lee joining us. This guy is outrageous. Check him out on YouTube if you get a chance. He's going up to people saying... You know, all types of politically incorrect nonsense. He's uh, he's nuts, and he's going to uh, he's going to bring some of that insanity to on the mark. And we're always game for that, Benny. We can always add some insanity. We're not afraid. We don't shy away from that. Well, yeah, you know, just like those idiot rappers are kind of like a, the Joker's gang. So are, we have our own little gang of Joker characters we do we do in fact one just walked into the studio on the mark full-time editor joe stacko joe had you had a busy week this week you weren't exactly full-time but you had some colognes you wanted to tell us about didn't you yeah i got a bag full of these fucking things right now you got to talk in the mic <laughs> yeah i got a bag full of these fucking things in the other room right now <laughs> you're getting sick of the cologne now I, mean, I just you're, got you're so many everywhere I look. Everywhere yeah. I look in the car, I got ten bottles and bottles. In my what, you bring me another bottle, Joey? Well, we can work that out for you, uh, Benny. You know that. I take care of you, babe. Yeah. The cologne went over nicely in the last episode. People appreciated that. Why don't you spew out another cologne that you've recently purchased or been wearing that you like? Uh, I just bought... Uh, by my probably my favorite company, Bond Number no. Nine, uh, exclusively out of New York. You can only get it at Saks um, or online. Uh, their website, bondnumber9.com. This is called the Scent of Peace uh, for Men. I actually have the women's one too, which is crazy. Uh, you know, m people probably think that's weird, but it, it's a fantastic scent. It's clean. It's really nice, uh, light. 
Um, it's just a. It's what are these? A, uh, what are these clones retail at? Uh, for the larger bottle, you can get it on their website at three twenty, and then for the smaller one, I think they're doing like two something like two two hundred. And they could be purchased at Macy's, Nordstrom's, what no, have you. No, they cannot. Oh, strictly Saks. Okay, or, Bloomingdale's. Uh, nope, strictly Saks. Saks Fifth exclusive, Avenue. Exclusive okay. to Saks Fifth Ave or uh, their their Bond Number Nine locations throughout New York City. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. Great stuff. Incredible. Lasts all day. Uh, compliments everywhere. Very incredible, cool. Incredible stuff. A lot of people talking it up. Oh my God! Yeah, not too many people know about it, which is cool too. Well, that, that, I, I that's like what that. happens when people smell something they haven't. You know, sm- smelled before, uh, they'll they'll mention it because they may want to go buy it themselves. Now, Joey, what was the cologne you lent me when I was out in Vegas? You were wearing actually a Bond Number no. Nine. That was the Hamptons by Bond Number no. Nine. All right, so there you go. And Joey, when I was out in Vegas, Benny, when I was out in Vegas, you know, I was in contact with you guys. It was a major success. Had a great time. Always do. Uh, Encore Beach Club, Wet Republic, Omnia. You name it. I even hit uh, EDC on Friday, the Friday I was out there. And that is a scene that you wouldn't believe, gang. Uh, girls running around naked, uh, literally naked. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's a fun time because everybody's in good spirits. I always say that about Vegas. I've never even seen a fight out there. Well, that may be the Molly also. Well, exactly. But you know how people dance all crazy at these EDC things with like their arms flailing out? If they hit you by any chance or graze you, they they apologize immediately. Everybody apologizes. (laughs) Yeah, they're so gracious. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're dressed like fucking, uh, I don't know. You should see some of these outfits. Yeah, unicorns. Some people are dressed like as like devils. It's weird, man. I don't like that. That's weird. It's freaking me out. They all got the backpack with the uh, hose coming out of it. Sure. Hydrate during the ecstasy run. Sure. Very wild stuff. Um, But... I'll say this. It all hit me. I had a grand revelation. There's a few ways to get laid in Vegas, and I'm going to share them with you guys right now. Number one, you got to link up with a group of girls, okay, one way or another, where the girls in this group, let's say it's four of them, they're all on the same page. If only one of them wants to party and have fun and hook up, they're not going to do it because they don't want their girlfriends to look at them some sort of way. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. So you got to find the group that isn't necessarily wild, but is looking to They're have a great down. time. They're all looking, yeah, one's not, oh, I don't want to drink right now. One, You understand, yeah, one's yeah, constantly yeah. on her phone. you got to find the group that is on the same page. That's the it's tricky. It is tricky. Number two, you link up with a girl or a group of girls that you've been in touch with uh, and you just so happen to be in Vegas on the same weekend. Okay, yeah. We've had that instance. Uh, We've run into occasions. similar instances like that. It's not always the uh, end-all, be-all, but it helps your chances because maybe you hadn't got a chance to hang out somewhere else and now you're all on vacation. Coincidentally, together. Sure, it's easy, and you're in Vegas. I mean, where better than Vegas? Everybody's, you know, you you, you let you bring your guard down in Vegas. You know, more more insanity goes in Vegas. More partying. You know what I mean? They're they're more yes. likely to go at it there. You know? Yes. Now here's the other way. You go to the lower level type of places. Okay. So you go into say, light. Uh, or a couple other clubs, or a couple random bars on the strip. We call that we call that the slop pussy. We're searching for the slop pussy here. And you do that, and you might find some hotties. And you go all out in those environments. It's still Vegas. People still want to party, and you're not dishing out, you know, fifteen hundred a head for the table, fifteen hundred a head for the cabana, whatever it may be. And you're still having a great time, but. The expectations are lower. The girls didn't go to this place looking to meet a professional athlete, exactly. looking to meet a top-tier businessman, Hollywood guy, whatever. They're just hanging with the normal crowd. Yeah, that's that's 
No doubt, yeah, man. And you know, you do your, you know, you have shots, you buy them drinks, whatever. You try to have a great time. Kind of like, kind of like when we were in Old Vegas too. Same, same that, theme, right? That Old Vegas is a gold mine. Yep. Because all the hot girls that work in the nightclubs and at the pools on the strip and whatnot, they're locals. They go to Old Vegas a lot. Oh yeah. It's a good scene. Oh yeah. And you know they're. And you still got the music. You still got some nice ambiance. It's different, but it's good. Yeah, a little dirty for my liking. You it's know? like Wildwood with some bars and gambling and, you know, it, it's cool. Yeah, it's okay. It's a nice change of pace once in a while. Exactly. There, you know? Exactly. So that, that, that's my uh, method or my theory on how to get laid out there. Because it's a misconception. Getting laid in Vegas isn't no layup if you're not going to pay. It's, it's, not, a, it's sure. not a layup. Yeah, not always, no. So you got to be methodical about it. You're good at that. You're very methodical, very calculated. You have to be, or yeah. you leave your, or you render yourself no chance. Yeah, I agree with that. So, gang, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed the great Tony Ganos. We hope you enjoyed the LeBron James debate, the Cologne talk, the Vegas talk. We brought it all on episode fifty of On the Mark. Gang, we'll be back soon with some great guests and some more insanity. Keep on living, On the Mark.